0: The Firebender's Guide to Living Life After Destiny Written by Chuffy Stilton Read by Meisinger. Stiffened at the touch of a mouth against his own. His concentration broke, and the light between his hands went out. Sokka, sensing his reaction, broke off and drew back. What's wrong? What was that? What are you doing? Zuko touched a hand to his mouth. No one had kissed him since May. He'd nearly forgotten what it felt like. Ah! Sokka said, in a tone loaded with meaning. He gave a sigh. Oops, I think I miscalculated. What did you miscalculate? This whole situation, Sokka said cryptically. Let's chalk this up to a man who's very happy about the idea of possibly escaping, and let's quickly move on to actually escaping. Zuko made the light appear again. It was getting easier with practice, and held it up to Sokka's face. Sokka blinked at the brightness and then met Zuko's eyes square on. He had a familiar, wry smile on, and the old, insouciant expression that managed to convey a sense of who, me, with the power of his eyebrows alone. Would you believe me if I told you this is how we express, uh... Brotherly and platonic affection between men in the Southern Water Tribe? Zuko stared. Despite the grin, Sokka's eyes were soft. There it was. The same look that Sokka had in the tea house room. The same look he had a year ago when he stepped closer towards Zuko on their way back to his tent. It had been written all over his face for a long time. Zuko just couldn't decipher the language. "'What about Norok?' he blurted out. "'Ah,' Sokka said again, looking glum. "'He really made an impression on you, didn't he?' "'Well, yes,' Zuko said. "'He's a good man. He saved your life. "'Does he know about this? Doesn't he deserve to?' Sokka gaped at him, then scrunched up his face like he was trying to solve a very complicated arithmetic question inside his head. "'Okay, no more being delicate about this,' he said after a moment, unscrunching his nose. "'Are you in love with Norok?' The question was so random that Zuko gave the first reply that came to mind. "'How's that possible? I've only known him for a day.' Maybe that was too deep a question. Are you in like with Norok? Do you adore his perfect dimples? Have you ever wondered what it would be like to paddle out under the moonlight and see the stars reflected in the crystalline blue of his eyes? No, Zuko said, and then, uh, do you? No, Sokka echoed. And you know that the stars can't be reflected like that anyways, right? Right, Zuko said faintly. He raked a hand through his scalp. He also felt like he was solving a complicated equation in his head. And, as usual, two steps behind Sokka the entire time. I thought you two were, he said, and did a half-hearted wave with his hand. I mean... I'm not going to deny that Norok and I have, you know, Sokka parroted his wave, once or twice, Zuko's mouth twisted, but that was ages ago, and it was never anything serious. We both knew it. It was just something fun between friends. Something fun between friends, Zuko repeated incredulously. It helps, you know, Sokka said. It helps to spend time with people who've been through similar things as you and survived it. Norok was at war, too. He was in the same prison camp as Analuk, but he never let it destroy him on the inside. I liked him for that. And now? I still like him, of course, Sokka said. But it was never something serious. Zuko was still turning Sokka's earlier phrase over in his mind. Something fun. Incredible to think that having sex with someone could be described like... He tried to think of something fun. Like going for a stroll in the garden, maybe. Or playing a game of pie show. That was a bad example. Zuko was terrible at pie show this isn't something fun for me he said Sokka tilted his head what isn't instead of answering zuko leaned closer towards saka he put his other hand the one that wasn't holding the light on the back of saka's head where it rested against his nape it was thrilling feeling the rough texture of the shaved hair against his palm "'having someone let him touch them in such a vulnerable spot. "'He pressed their foreheads together "'and felt Sokka draw in a sharp breath through his nose. "'The movement of air tickled Zuko's cheek. "'I'm serious about this,' Zuko whispered, "'and closed the last inch of distance between them. "'He only meant it to be a light press of the lips.' A way to say what he couldn't say in words. But Sokka moaned and grabbed Zuko back. He threaded his fingers into Zuko's hair, and when Zuko gasped in surprise, he felt Sokka's tongue swipe against his lower lip and into his half-open mouth, deepening the kiss. Zuko's hand was firm against his head, holding him in place. What could he do? Zuko closed his eyes, gave in, Okay, Sokka panted when he finally let Zuko go. Turn around. Zuko blinked. This all seemed to be moving rather fast. Excuse me? There are literally bombs strapped to you right now, Sokka said. Our first priority now that we can see should be either defusing them or getting the vest off. That made much more sense. Right, the deadly bombs. Zuko managed. He wiped his sleeve against his mouth, his lips were tingling from the sensation, and then turned to let Sokka take a look at the lock that was keeping the vest chained on him. He felt like they should talk about what just happened, but what did just happen? I can't undo the lock at all, Sokka said from behind him. The design is pretty ingenious, though. The way that she's woven in wicks soaked in liquid fuel. It smells like petroleum, but I'm sure there's something else, too. Wonder what kind of explosive she's using. It smells familiar, somehow. No idea, Zuko said quickly. He lifted his hand and made the light brighter. It was beginning to come naturally now. This calm, connected feeling. It wasn't the same as shooting sparks or making a fireball. Something about the way he interacted with fire felt different. He could perceive the distinction between heat and light in a way that he never considered before. He had some faint sense that energy was circulating through his body, starting from the intake of breath and making its way to the light in his hands. It was all connected. Sokka fiddled with the vest, but no luck. "'I think we need a key,' he said finally. "'I can't get it off.' "'Okay,' Zuko said. Neither of them said anything else. Just when Zuko was beginning to question if he had only vividly hallucinated the last few minutes, Sokka cleared his throat. "'You know that I'm serious about this, right?' Because I am, Zuko. I don't doubt your opinion on locks, he said. The sound of his name coming out of Sokka's mouth was sending loose shivers rolling down his spine. Sokka gave him a shove. Jerk. Soon, Zuko said. When our lives aren't in danger and my great-grandfather's ashes aren't in the same room, the two of us should have a talk about this. They would. He knew it. He wasn't afraid of that idea anymore. The only other person I made a parka for was Suki, Sokka said softly. And before Zuko could ask what that meant, Sokka gave him a clap on the shoulder, over the metal of the vest. Anyways, escape time! Come over and light up the door, I want to take a look. The door looked like an impenetrable barrier to Zuko, but Sokka spent a long time examining every section. Zuko made the light as bright as he could, and after a while, Sokka squinted and pointed at a spot surrounded by jagged metal. "'Here,' he said. "'Do you see this tiny gap? Kizia must have left it when she pried off the lock. Try flashing the light near it. Maybe someone passing by would see.' The sages aren't here this time of night, Zuko reminded him. Just give it a shot, Sokka said. He bent down closer to the tiny pinhole. Help! Anyone out there? We're trapped! He pulled a face at Zuko's sigh. I'm practicing for later. Save your voice, Zuko said, and Sokka backed off. He pressed his other hand to the door and focused. A pulse of light beamed out. He concentrated and narrowed it to a beam that he aimed through the little gap in the metal. The gap was maybe the size of a mung bean. No, bigger. But it should be visible from outside. Kezia had made him extinguish all the torches in this corridor. If anyone did happen to pass by, at least it would be obvious in the dark. I can keep it going, Zuko said, crouching down to a more comfortable position by the gap. It was easier than he expected, keeping two different lights going at once. It doesn't take too much effort. And at least light is silent. Sokka sat down too, his hands propping himself up behind him. If we get out of here, he said fervently, I'll give up drinking. I'll even write Katara and tell her she was right all along. It's a filthy habit, and it's bad for me. And what about you? He nudged Zuko with a foot. Zuko pushed the foot away, making the light move and the shadows in the room sway erratically. What? Your turn to barter with the universe. In return for something important, you have to give up something you enjoy. What is it? I don't think the universe likes me enough to barter, Zuko said. That earned him a little pout. Play along. Zuko tried to play along. It was a surprisingly hard question. What did he enjoy? Firebending? But that was just a part of who he was. He didn't enjoy it in the sense that he didn't enjoy keeping his lungs moving or keeping his heart beating. The luxuries of a life in the royal palace? He thought about the servants and banquets, the embroidered formal robes, the hot towels on silver salvers, fruit tarts with rose petals. He liked them all fine, but it was all just stuff. He didn't enjoy them so much as take it for granted that they were there. Talking with my uncle, Zuko said after a minute. I'll give up talking with my uncle. Sokka kicked him again. Really? That's the only thing you enjoy in life? Should have known you'd take a fun question and turn it into a depressing answer. I take my question back. Not even the universe should take that away from you. What else do I have? Zuko asked. "'Unless you want me to give up the throne?' "'No,' Sokka said and crossed his arms. "'It has to be something you like, remember?' "'Of course I like it,' Zuko protested, "'but it rang hollow even to his own ears. "'He was getting another uncomfortable revelation. "'Did he really enjoy nothing in his life "'other than spending time with his uncle "'who lived in a different country?' Well, there was one thing else he could think of, but whatever was between him and Sokka felt too fragile to even jokingly offer up. Still more promise and idea rather than reality. Why isn't Iroh here, in Caldera? Sokka asked, as if he could read Zuko's mind. No offense, but you seem like you could use some help. Being the fire lord is my destiny, not his. He's enjoying his retirement in Bossing, say. Sokka hummed in response. You ever wonder why, of all the cities in the world, your uncle went back to the site of his greatest military defeat? The place where his son died? No, Zuko admitted. That never crossed his mind before. He always assumed that Iro just loved running the Jasmine Dragon. Should I have? Sokka opened his mouth. Zuko braced himself for some cutting observation about how no one in the royal family was good at finding emotional closure, but a grinding sound from the door interrupted him. Wait! What's that? Zuko stared at the moving doors in astonishment. It's the lock. Someone's coming in. The doors opened. The person on the other side stared at Zuko. Zuko stared back. In an evening of weird twists, somehow this was the weirdest so far. Lord Q, he said awkwardly. What are you doing here? I was looking for my daughter when I saw a light coming through the door, Q said. He looked about as shocked as Zuko. What a surprise to see you here, Fire Lord. Neither of them bowed. An unexpected meeting in the catacombs in the middle of the night seemed to have pushed them into the uncharted territories beyond the rules of etiquette. Put out your lantern, Q, Sokka piped up from behind Zuko. There are bombs in here. You could set them off. Q's shocked expression gave way to a familiar glower. You, he bellowed, the water tribe savage. I should have known you're involved with my daughter's disappearance somehow. He's not, Zuko said warily. It's a long story, Q. Put out your lantern and I'll explain. Q did not. Put out his lantern, but brought it higher so it was shining in Zuko's face. He was still standing directly in front of the doorway, blocking the room's only exit. What are you doing cavorting around with a man who's supposed to be in a prison cell? Zuko waved a hand. Dousing a lantern flame was easier to do. He felt like another sense had opened up in his mind making the perception and control of an external flame much less unnatural than it had been before. He made his heatless light appear again, in time to catch Q's furious expression deepen. Funny you should ask, he told Q. We're looking for your daughter, too. She has a lot to answer for. As do you, Q hissed. He summoned a small flame on one finger to relight his lantern, but Sokka darted forward and slapped his hand down, extinguishing the flame. Listen, Zuko said as Kyu sputtered. Sokka is innocent. Kizia attacked him first, and he defended himself. Your daughter's a dangerous criminal who attacked Luan, and then me as well. She put me in this thing, Zuko gestured at the best. And if you light a fire near me now, it'll set off the bombs inside. All three of us could die. Q only relit his lantern, ignoring Sokka's loud cry of frustration. Where have you been all afternoon, Lord Zuko? The whole court is in an uproar over a dead Earth Kingdom minister. They're saying that you are the murderer. No, he's not! Sokka said. Weren't you listening? Your daughter killed her. Barbarian lies, Q said dismissively. Sokka made another noise of annoyance, and Zuko gritted his teeth. You said you were searching for her, Q. Did she leave some clue behind? A note saying that she'd be in the catacombs? My daughter left a note saying that she has decided to disappear forever after the shame of what that man has done to her. I ordered guards to search the whole palace and half the city, but they turned up nothing. I remembered how much she admires the late Fire Lord Sozin and his work, and then I came down here to search for her. Imagine my surprise when I found you two here instead. What did you do to her? You mean, what did she do to us? Sokka said. She's the one who locked us in here. Lies, Kyu sneered again. My daughter is a helpless young woman. He's telling the truth, said Zuko, fists clenching. Anger was rising up in him again. And even if he's lying, it doesn't matter. You're forgetting that I'm the Fire Lord, Q. At the end of the day, my word is law. Uh, Sokka said. Q's expression changed. Siding with a foreigner, Fire Lord. This must be the first time I've seen you show any backbone, and all along I thought you were as soft as your failure of an uncle. Oh, shut the fuck up. Zuko snapped, and then, because he couldn't resist, my uncle has more courage and integrity in his little toenail than you have in your entire body, you racist old bigot. Q looked startled for a moment, and then his face shifted to his old bone-and-gristle look of utter rage. Zuko was going to regret this, but for that brief... Shining moment, he felt fantastic. Maybe this is what he should be offering the universe in exchange for getting out alive. The feeling of saying the one thing he'd always wanted to say to the most annoying man in the world. Why hadn't he done it before? Just tell people to shut up. I see you're obsessed with punishing my family for whatever reason, Q snarled. His twisted-up face looked like someone who had just chewed and digested himself. Fine. If you won't let justice take its course, then I challenge you to an Agni Kai. My daughter's innocence for that water-tribe barbarian's freedom. Uh, Sokka said again. I don't do Agni Kais, Zuko hissed. Sokka is innocent. "'And Kizia is guilty. We can settle this in front of a court.' His refusal only enraged Q further, and those yellow eyes narrowed into pits. "'Where's the fighting spirit of your ancestors, Fire Lord?' Zuko shrugged. This was something he learned from Azula. Some fights are won by walking away. "'I said no to your Agni Kai, Q. Now get out of the way.' We're leaving. You unmanned yourself, Q sneered, when you surrounded yourself with your foreign friends. He raised his arms and both hands lit up with fire. The sudden wave of heat was startling in the small space of the tomb. Let's see if you're still a coward against this. Before Zuko could react, Sokka dove in front of him and put his arms out, shielding Zuko. "'What's wrong with you two? he said, his voice shrill. "'There's explosives in here!' In response, Q took another step into the tomb, his hands still wreathed in fire. He ignored Sokka. "'Letting your friends fight for you? Stop making cowardly excuses!' Sokka did two things in such quick succession that they were almost simultaneous." He half twisted around and shoved Zuko back a few steps so he and the explosive vest were out of range, and then, moving with the recoiling momentum of his shove, he launched himself at Q and tackled him to the ground. Q grunted, probably from astonishment as much as from pain. Sokka struggled, trying to hold his opponent down, but Q sent out a scorching jet of fire from one palm and forced Sokka to let go to avoid being burned. Sokka rolled over. Q staggered up and pushed another palmful of fire towards Sokka. But Sokka scrambled up, ducked into Q's reach, and grabbed Q's forearm from the inside, forced it downwards over his shoulder. The fire went harmlessly into the ground. Get out of here! Sokka yelled. Before it goes off! Zuko sprinted out the doorway. He went a few paces down the corridor and then stopped. He turned back. Inside the tomb, Sokka and Q were still fighting. Q had shrugged off Sokka's hold, and now he aimed a kick at Sokka's chest, his foot leaving a flaming arc in the gloom. Sokka dodged and then took a swift step closer and socked Q in the abdomen, knocking the breath out of him and cutting off the next burst of fire at the source. Between the two of them, Sokka was smarter and more vicious. But Q had the bending advantage. And as good as Sokka was, he was still injured and moving slower than normal. Stop it, Q, Zuko yelled. That's an order. Q did not stop. He swung at Sokka wildly, and a fist landed square on Sokka's ribs, sending him tumbling to the floor. Sokka groaned and tried to haul himself up, but he collapsed in a spasm of coughs. Zuko watched them. Breathing hard, his impulse was to divert Q's attention to himself, take him down. But he forced himself to think past that. What could he do that wouldn't put all of their lives in danger? Q was getting closer to Sokka now, his fists lit up, but the adrenaline pumping through Zuko's veins was slowing time down to a crawl. Sokka would think of something smart, but he wasn't Sokka. What could Zuko do? He lifted his hand, reached for that sense of calm acknowledgement again. He felt for the energy that moved through the world, that moved through fire as well as all things. He dropped his hand down and moved the fire away. It was almost like redirecting lightning. Zuko wouldn't be able to do it if Iroh hadn't taught him that technique, but unlike lightning, there was no direct contact between him and the fire. Similar to lightning, Zuko could sense the energy of the heat and the light passing through him. Instinctively, he let it run through his belly, avoiding his heart, and then opened one hand and released it. A part of the stone wall exploded with a boom. Another ceramic urn shattered. All three of them flinched at the sudden explosion. Q spun around, an almost comical look of shock on his face as he gave his empty hand a shake. "'What kind of freakish trick did you play on me?' he demanded. And then, without warning, shot a fireball directly toward Zuko. "'No!' Sokka screamed, but Zuko was ready. The fireball extinguished in midair. The same invisible energy passed through him, and he released it outwards." The altar table exploded, scattering incense and peaches everywhere. More blasts of fire came at Zuko. Clenching his jaw with concentration, he extinguished and redirected them elsewhere. He had never done this before, fighting like a waterbender, absorbing his opponent's attacks and channeling them somewhere else. Q was relentless, and soon the air grew thick with dust and flying pebbles, making it difficult to breathe. The effort of his exertion was creating a painful pressure behind his forehead, a pain that arced down the bridge of Zuko's nose. It was bad, but no worse than his usual migraines. He pushed it down. Q, only a few steps away now, launched a huge jet of fire at Zuko's chest. Zuko tried to dissipate it and send it to another section of the wall, but it was still new enough that he hadn't figured out how to aim it yet. He felt the force rocket out of his fist, and distracted by the pain and the coppery tang of blood beginning to trickle out of his nose, accidentally sent it upwards, towards the metal door frame above him. The frame exploded, and the shockwave knocked Zuko to the ground. When he scrambled up, Q was towering over him, his hands lit up with fire. I think I will give you a scar to match the other one, he snarled. Leave it as a reminder of your cowardice. Zuko looked up, blood streaming over his mouth. Q's lamp was still in the middle of the room where he dropped it. Q himself was a black silhouette against the light. Behind him, shadows moved. Why do you hate me so much? Zuko rasped. He pulled himself up to a half-seated kneel, his hands resting on the ground in front of him. Tell me why. You have no right running this country, Q said. I saw the Agni Kai between you and your father years ago. If you had fought back, even attempted to defend your own honor, we would have all respected you, even in your banishment. But you didn't even raise a hand. He stepped closer, reached down. How could someone like you be the Fire Lord? A weak little boy pleading for mercy. I'm not pleading for mercy, Zuko said. The fire in Q's hand glowed brighter. No? Then what are you doing on your knees? Keeping you distracted, said Zuko. And that was when Sokka took a swing at Q's head from behind. The urn in his hands connected with a satisfying clang. The ceramic shards scattered into pieces on impact. The fire in Q's hand went out, smothered by the cloud of human ashes raining over him. Q himself swayed on his feet, his eyes rolling up into his head before he collapsed forwards, narrowly missing Zuko. He twitched once or twice on the ground and was still. For a breathless second, Zuko and Sokka only stared. And then? I think I got some ashes in my mouth, Sokka said. He spat on the ground and shook out his hands. Thanks a lot, Zuko's great-grandfather. You taste terrible. These are Sozin's ashes? Zuko asked faintly. The blood coming out his nose made him sound a little stuffy. Sokka shrugged. It was the closest one I could grab, he said. He came forward and offered his arm, helping Zuko up with a surprising gentleness. Oops. Good riddance, Zuko managed. Easy there, Sokka said. Don't move too quickly. He patted Zuko on the back of his neck and then fumbled around the floor. "'grabbing a bunch of fabric, handing it over. "'For your nose. "'Thanks.' "'You okay?' Sokka asked, concerned. "'I'm okay.' Zuko was trembling a little, but that would pass. "'He was okay, but he didn't let go of Sokka's arm. "'Sokka had handed him the silk altar cloth he used before as a blanket. "'Zuko wiped his face with one corner.' then used another section to staunch the blood flowing from his nose. He studied the luscious folds of silk in his hand. The expensive gold work gleamed even in the dim glow of the knocked-over lamp. He wondered if he should keep it, maybe see if the bloodstains could be washed out of the cloth. Sozin really didn't spare any expenses, even for something few were ever supposed to see. Then he shrugged and dropped the blood-smeared cloth to the ground. Sokka was right. It did smell like dead people. Meanwhile, Sokka was fiddling around with Q's unconscious head on the ground. He pulled off Q's headpiece from his hair and crowed in triumph. Ha! Perfect! He brandished the pin that was holding the headpiece in place. And here's the second pin, too. That'll do for the tension wrench. Let me see your vest again. Zuko turned around obediently and held up another light above his head. He felt Sokka wiggle the pins into the lock on his back and closed his eyes. He wasn't a superstitious person, but he mouthed a silent prayer now. He wasn't sure who he was talking to, Agni or the universe or the dead. He wasn't sure what he believed in anymore. Just to be safe, he addressed all of them. Let them survive this night. Let Sokka survive. And Zuko would do something to make it all worthwhile. He would give up anything. Do anything, even. The lock clicked, fell open. Get it off. Get it off! He gasped, but Sokka was already pulling it off his shoulders in brusque motions. Zuko twisted his arms shaking them free. The absence of the weight brought such relief that it nearly staggered him. I got you, Sokka said. It's okay. Zuko breathed in a sweet intake of air. Sokka dumped the explosives into a corner of the tomb with an expression of distaste. Let's get out of here. What about Q? Zuko asked. Do we leave him here? Sokka was all for shutting Q inside the tomb along with the bombs, but Zuko argued that head injuries were too serious to be left alone for a day, and as much as he hated the man, they couldn't leave Q in mortal danger like this. Do you think either of us is in any shape to carry a body through the tunnels? Sokka had said, which settled it. As the steel door slid shut for the final time that night, Zuko surveyed the destroyed room. It had not been a good night for his dead ancestors. The crumpled heap of the silk cloth, the scorched and ruined walls, the piece of broken funeral urns scattered around the floor. The gray piles of Sozin's earthly ashes were already indistinguishable from the dust and the grime of the dirt floor. The remnants of his urn lost among all the other toppled or exploded ceramic shards. A single trampled lily, one of them must have stepped on it during the confusion, was lying on top of the mess. It looked like an absurd funeral wreath. The doors closed on the scene of devastation, sealing it away. "'Good riddance,' Zuko said aloud and smiled." Zuko led them onwards, heading away from the tomb and towards the exit. They walked through another chamber, where masses of dragon bones were stacked together in tight rows. "'I've never seen someone do that before,' Sokka said, breaking the silence. "'I can't believe you're the new sparky-sparky boom man now, and without a tattoo!' "'Who?' Zuko asked. "'Combustion Man!' "'He has a name, you know.' Sokka waved a hand impatiently. "'You're missing the point, I declare you. Sparky Sparky Boom Lord. "'Very creative,' Zuko said, though he was secretly a little flattered. If putting out natural fires required concentration and strength of will, dismantling another bender's attack was considered nearly impossible.' He had long since reconciled himself to the fact that he could never make lightning, and it was strange to find out there was even more to firebending than he thought possible. Could Zuko pass on this new technique too, like Iroh did to him? And one day, if Zuko lived long enough to see old age, who knew where his own student might take it? What might they invent? The world is very big, after all. Imagining the possibilities almost made him excited about old age. Hold this, Sokka said, handing Zuko the broadswords. He had insisted they retrace his steps and recover the swords from where he dropped them. By some miracle, they were still lying on the ground near the tripwire. Evidently, Kizia didn't consider the possibility they might escape. Zuko took them. The weight of the blades was different from his own set, but the feeling was comforting in its familiarity. He hefted one sword up, testing the balance as it swished through the air. Sokka, busy pulling something out from his pocket, didn't notice Zuko's little maneuver. He held out a hand. You want one of these? Zuko stared. Sokka was holding two ripe peaches. "'Suspiciously familiar ripe peaches.' "'He closed his eyes. "'Are those from... "'Sozin's tomb? "'Yep.' "'Absolutely not. "'Why?' "'These are offerings,' Zuko said, appalled. "'You can't eat those.' Sokka paused, peach already halfway to his mouth. "'What does that mean? "'Are they poisoned?' Should I put them back? They're technically fine, Zuko said, and then, because it was just that sort of night, you know, never mind. Go ahead and have it. The peach completed its journey. You sure you don't want one? Sokka asked with his mouth full. Because after what just happened, I'm starving for a snack. Zuko shook his head. He was hungry and thirsty, but eating something that was offered to the dead was taboo. He just couldn't do it, not any more than he could write a character upside down or walk into a matted room without taking his shoes off first. So smashing your great-grandpa's ashes is one thing, but eating perfectly good fruit is where you draw the line? Sokka paused, licked a finger thoughtfully. It's not like the dead can take what the living don't eat. Mom used to say that when me and Katara were picky about meals. Some things were built in at bone level. Zuko had nothing to offer but a shrug. They made their way past another row of snarling skulls in silence. Sokka finished his peach and threw the pit in the air, punting it forwards with one foot. The pit bounced off a stack of more vaguely draconic remains, possible femurs, but Zuko couldn't be sure, and tumbled to the ground. Weird how I can remember her saying that, but not what she looked like, Sokka mused out loud, and then came to such an abrupt stop that Zuko tensed, expecting an attack. But it was just Sokka looking distraught. He put a hand on Zuko's shoulder. About what I said earlier, I wasn't even thinking about what happened in the Forgetful Valley with Ursa. Her not remembering and everything. I didn't think how that sounded to you. Zuko sighed. The hilarious irony of our respective situations was not lost on me, he said dryly. Still, though... Sokka said, and moved his hand so it fitted against the curve of Zuko's neck, his thumb pressed gently in the spot behind Zuko's ear. You can tell me anything, you know? I know, Zuko said. A look passed between them, and he dropped his gaze, blushing. He was very aware of all the dead things around them. It was not a good setting for heartfelt conversations. Next to him, he heard Sokka clear his throat. Sokka moved his hand away, and by mutual and silent agreement, they started walking again. When they passed the loose peach pit on the ground, Zuko kicked it too, and sent it rocketing down the passage ahead. He and Sokka passed it back and forth between them, down the length of the passage. "'Hey!' Sokka said, in a different tone of voice." Doesn't this remind you of our old wacky adventures? You have to admit, even near-death experiences felt different when you were 16. Everything was more fun then. It was possible, Zuka reflected, that he and Saka had different definitions of the word fun. The only thing I miss was having a drive, he said. I've always had a purpose. Even when it was the wrong one. But now what? I just keep a hold on peace for as long as I can. It's not like there's an end goal to being the Fire Lord. He aimed at the pit again, missed and cursed. I guess I could get married and have an heir. Another link in the never-ending chain of Fire Lords, Sokka intoned in a mock, dramatic voice. Another link in the chain, Zuko echoed dully. Sokka snuck a foot out and stole the pit out from under Zuko. Okay, putting aside your insult to our burgeoning and definitely non-reproductive relationship, you know that normal people don't have a grand drive, right? Most of us just muddle our way along. He kicked the pit at the wall, where it ricocheted and sailed into the eyehole of a dragon skull nearby. Oops. Zuko peered into the skull. The pit was in there, along with a lot of dust and possibly a lot of spiders. He considered sticking a hand down there, but decided it wasn't worth it. He also considered saying something about the non-reproductive comment, but he let that go as well. What could he say? If you don't have a purpose, then how do you get out of bed in the morning? Next to him, Sokka peeked into the other eyehole. He clicked his tongue. If you must know, I get out of bed one leg at a time, cursing whoever it was who invented mornings, he said, and stuck his tongue out when Zuko rolled his eyes. The weird moment passed, and they continued on, both of them lapsing back into silence. Zuko squeezed his fist, feeling his nails dig into his palms. He took a deep breath through his nose. He knew that the universe had it in for him somehow. How was it that he was already having relationship issues when his relationship had barely begun? He breathed out and put it aside in his mind. There are bigger things to worry about right now. Thank you thank you so much for listening that was chapter 14 thank you to chuffy stilton for letting me record this and thank you to my girlfriend for moving to a larger house with me so she actually can be kind of loud now isn't that nice for her so i'll be happy for her if you liked that please leave a comment or kudos on the story i would love to hear from you if you want to leave chuffy stilton a comment i'm sure she'd love to hear what you think of the fix so far We're almost at the end now. It's like chapter... Oh, I guess not that close. We still have like three chapters. Four chapters left. Wow. Okay, I misjudged. Anyway, you can find me on Tumblr as my own zinger. Have a great night. Thank you for coming out. Bye. Stay safe.